Good evening. A Puritan's Mind brings you the old-time radio program, the Wild Boar News Podcast from sunny South Florida. Welcome. I'm Dr. Matthew McMahon. From before time began, God reveals to us in His Word that He is a covenantal God. A covenant is a pact or agreement between two or more parties, and in this case, it is the intra-Trinitarian pact that comes to light. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit work covenantally together, and as a result, through God's ordination, He gives us the gospel of Jesus Christ. But how well do you know the gospel? Do you believe God's gospel, or do you believe someone else's? Do you believe the gospel of Joel Osteen? His is different than the one Billy Graham preached. Do you believe the gospel of T.D. Jakes? He is much different than Rick Warren. Do you believe John Calvin's gospel? He is much different than Rick Warren or Joel Osteen or T.D. Jakes or Billy Graham. Which gospel do you adhere to? You might, as a keen listener, say you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. But really, how well do you know God's gospel? God undoubtedly works covenantally. There are over 400 direct references to God working as a covenantally faithful God. God made a covenant with Adam, and that covenant had as one of its signs the tree of life. Quote, And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. In contrast to the tree of life, we have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, both signs, covenantally, with a God who made a covenant with Adam. God also made a covenant with Noah, and this covenant had the sign of the rainbow, Genesis 9, 9-17. With Abraham, God also made a covenant. When you, listener, think of God dealing with people like Adam, Noah, and Abraham, do you think of the gospel? Or, like most misinformed Christians, do you think the gospel of Jesus Christ came much later? The Old Testament makes up more than two-thirds of the Bible. Most Christians neglect it. Reading all those genealogies is very difficult. They believe, for some strange reason, that the gospel began in Matthew 1.1, or thereabouts. They do not consider that the gospel began in Genesis 3.15, and in reality, before time began. The Abrahamic covenant is called the gospel, in Galatians 3.8, and I quote, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the nations shall be blessed in you. End quote. The Apostle Paul no doubt believed the Abrahamic covenant is still in effect. The gospel is that all nations will be blessed by God, and that God will be a God to his people and their children. This is called the gospel by Paul, and demonstrates very clearly that the Abrahamic covenant is, in reality, this new covenant made with Jesus Christ, as forementioned in Genesis 3.15. To say the Abrahamic covenant is Old Testament stuff, and that it is not currently in effect, is to blatantly contradict what the Apostle Paul teaches when he calls it the gospel. Christians cannot be confused on the gospel. 
If they're confused in the gospel, then they must in turn be confused about the manner in which God works. If they are confused in the manner in which God works, then what God have they fabricated? What God do they really serve, if not their own imaginations? Currently, this author is working on a book that will be released in the first quarter of 2008 called Believing God's Gospel. The gospel is not something that the church can afford to be confused on. It may be through ignorance or through poor teaching, but regardless of the cause, God never gives us the right to be wrong about his gospel. This is Dr. Matthew McMahon signing off. Keep checking back at a Puritan's mind. Currently in the works is an MP3 series on the covenant of grace and another MP3 series on election and predestination. Puritan Publications has already released its latest book, A Heart for Reformation, which covers how every Christian should desire true biblical reformation. For more on Reformed and Puritan theology, visit www.apuritansmind.com. There, there's more of the gospel. For more on Reformed and Puritan theology, visit www.apuritansmind.com. Good night, then, until this same time next week. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reform books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the Papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says 
that God had commanded no such thing, and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.